You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Lucinda Larnock. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. Later in the program, residents of central Indiana are hunkering down to avoid the current winter weather conditions. WFHB environmental news correspondent Nathaniel Weinsapple explains some interesting information about the storm. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, the Bloomington Music Expo happens this weekend and will feature vinyl records, live music and more. In today's programme, Executive Director of Visit Bloomington Mike McCurphy talks about the upcoming Music Expo. But first, your local headlines. At the COVID-19 press conference held on January 28th, IU Health President Brian Shockney said that the IU Health South Central Region has had just the second highest number of patients on record since the start of the pandemic. He also asked community members to seek out the proper level of care to keep the hospital beds available for those patients who need them the most. So as we look at our COVID-19 emissions, since the pandemic began, this last week was the second highest census we've experienced through the pandemic. Our IU Health South Central Region COVID-19 inpatient graphic shows that unvaccinated people continue to make up the majority of individuals who need hospitalization when they have COVID-19. As as our state data reports, only about half of Hoosiers that are eligible to get their COVID-19 booster have done so, which could also be a contributing factor to those hospitalized as Uh, Commissioner Cottle was saying, or as uh, Administrator Cottle was saying, uh, that's part of the reason why people are being hospitalized without that booster. Fully vaccinated means both doses and the booster. This high number of people were experiencing symptoms and testing positive is causing also our emergency departments across the state of Indiana to be very busy. Our South Central Region emergency departments are no exception. Uh, this uh, one day this past week, we surpassed our highest number of patients that we have ever had in our expanded emergency departments at our new IU Health Bloomington Hospital. That's a record for us. Thank goodness we have our new hospital and it's larger, but it, it it's uh, it's overwhelming sometimes to see the numbers of patients that are going through there, many of them due to COVID symptoms. Therefore, we're continuing to ask that those with true emergencies and life-threatening concerns seek care with our emergency departments without question. And we also ask that those with more mild COVID symptoms or other non-emergent region, uh, reasons seek care at our locations and our facilities that are aimed at less emergent care. So by choosing the level of care that best suits your healthcare needs, you can help by ensuring emergency department beds are readily available for those who truly need that level of care. Indiana University Vice Provost of Communications, Kirk White, reported on the rate of cases of COVID-19 at IU and announced that they have made masks available to the public. Our uh, total number on the Bloomington campus was 806. 710 of that is in our student population and 
six with our faculty and staff. Uh, but as Dr. Carroll mentioned, it's uh, consistent with uh, the rest of the community in the state. And uh, we still believe that with our high vaccination rates, we're going we're gonna to be able to continue to keep things on an even keel and um, not have as high a rate of serious infection, uh, which is what we've exactly uh, seen with the 95% uh, vaccination rate. Um, we uh, did uh, last week, um, um, were able to make available the KN95 masks for a higher level of protection. Um, it took uh, some work in our procurement department to find enough of those, but um, I'm happy to report that uh, as of today, we've, we've distributed over 4,000 KN95 masks on the Bloomington campus, and we're, we'll continue to receive supplies and distribute those. If you'd like one, we're uh, um, ramping up to be able to supply one per person per week, and uh, you can pick those up at our COVID-19 testing site, which is at Gym 171 in the uh, Public Health Hyper Building uh, during their normal hours when they're doing uh, the normal uh, uh, mitigation testing, just drop in there. Our uh, staff will be happy to hand you one and uh, you'll be in a, a little better uh, uh, shape uh, using that best mask available wherever you happen to be at the time. Indiana University Chief Health Officer Aaron Carroll answered a question on whether or not the cold weather could affect at-home COVID-19 tests if they are left outside for an extended period of time. I think you definitely want to let them return to room temperature before you use them because, of course, um, there's liquid in there. But as far as I know, nothing about them would be damaged um, by, by their being in the cold in transit. Of course, if you believe that somehow they've cracked or something has occurred to them, then I would not use them and I would uh, seek to get a different test. Uh, but in general, I, I don't think that there's been uh, too much put out there that this is a concern from the government. Mayor Hamilton answered a question from journalist Dave Askins about whether or not the sanitation department has made changes to allow them to keep working despite the city reporting higher numbers of employees testing positive. Well, thanks for asking, uh, and it does give me a chance to thank our sanitation workers. Of course, our numbers depend upon where they are uh, in our workforce, police, fire, sanitation, parks, water service, et cetera. But uh, it is true last week, our sanitation workers, uh, including the, the head of the department, uh, got on the back of, of the trucks to help. We lost about half of our employees on one uh, period, and they actually just ran double shifts that day. They did they did a double circuit um, from what they usually did, work longer, uh, and that was a wonderful. We had some workers from the street department step up and say, I'll help that day. So we've seen wonderful uh, uh, collaboration and volunteering, and I know that's the case in so many workforces, and we, we appreciate that, um, uh, and we haven't had service disruptions. But as, as Kirk said and others, uh, you know, we really appreciate everyone's patience too, because this is um, this is ch challenging us um, uh, a bit. But so far, our employees have um, done a wonderful job stepping up to try to make sure we got that kind of coverage. The next COVID nineteen press conference will be held on February eleventh. 
On January 31st at the Utility Service Board meeting, Assistant City Attorney Christopher Wheeler asked the board to approve updates to the rules, regulations and standards for the City of Bloomington utilities. The Fat Oil and Grease program, also known as the FOG program, ensures restaurants and businesses know how to properly dispose of their fat, oil and grease waste. He said that the rules are not new, however, they are making changes to make sure they are easy to find. Yeah, that's correct. It doesn't it does not create any new requirements for any of our users. It's simply taking what's already in ordinance form and putting it into our rules and regulations. It breathes a little bit of extra life into what the ordinance requires so that when users want to know what's expected of them, they can go to the rules and regulations and find it very easily. The board approved the changes unanimously. Director of Utilities Department Vic Kelson gave a brief update on the COVID sampling at the wastewater plant. Uh, we have seen uh, uh, the past two weeks, uh, we had much higher numbers, but they started coming down last week. And, and we hope, we're hopeful that uh, this is actually reflective of, of a reduction in the uh, prevalence of the virus. Uh, there was not a lot of rain uh, during that particular week, and the the concentrations came down by a factor of about six. So fingers crossed that we're that we're getting past the peak of that. The next utility service board meeting will be held on February fourteenth. Residents of central Indiana are hunkering down to avoid the current winter weather conditions. WFHB environmental news correspondent Nathaniel Weinzapfel explained some interesting information about the storm. Hope all you listeners are staying safe and warm out there. As of writing this story, I'm sheltering in my home on the north side of Bloomington, working virtually today. Out my window, I can see the peaceful falling of snow in my backyard, with red cardinals interrupting the sea of white. Coming from a meteorological background, this storm is of particular interest to me. To begin, it is the first significant winter storm of the season. This is of no surprise considering how varied the weather has been in Bloomington. According to information from the National Weather Service's Historical Database of Bloomington Weather, this last December was warmer than average, especially around Christmas time. While January was slightly colder than average, in terms of precipitation, it was very dry compared to an average year. In total, the amount of snow during the winter months was 0.5 inches in December and 1.2 inches in all of January. To put this in perspective, this winter storm has already doubled the combined total of 1.7 inches from December and January, and snow continues to fall. Predicted snow depth is likely to reach the ranges of 5 to 7 inches. One of the conditions that has made this winter storm particularly dangerous, especially south of I-70, was the rain that preceded the colder precipitation. Based on information from the Monroe County Airport data log, which can be accessed through the National Weather Service, it was raining from approximately 4 a.m. yesterday morning until 6 p.m. yesterday. There are two key reasons why the rain preceding the snow and ice is a bad thing. The first reason might be quite obvious. 
that the rain and the puddles of water will freeze once it gets colder and create ice. However, the second reason is likely what makes it more dangerous. Normally, when meteorologists predict a snowstorm, this allows the city of Bloomington to send out a truck with ice salt, which can help stop snow from accumulating. But due to the rain yesterday, this was not possible. If the ice salt was laid down, it would have simply been washed away. This means that the rain will cause both ice and also will not permit any preparation to be done prior to the storm. Continuing along the timeline, while northern Indiana, including our arrivals in West Lafayette, were experiencing snow, Bloomington's rain slowly transformed into freezing rain. The National Weather Service states that, quote, Freezing rain occurs when the layer of freezing air is so thin that the raindrops do not have enough time to freeze before reaching the ground, unquote. This means that the rain freezes once it reaches the surface of the earth, thus creating an ice layer at the moment of impact. This precipitation began around 7 p.m. yesterday and likely continued until 3 in the morning, at which time the weather data became uncertain. The NWS Monroe County Airport identified, quote, unknown precipitation, unquote, occurring between the hours of 3 a.m. and 9 a.m. Part of this was likely due to the weather conditions being a mix of snow, sleet, and freezing rain. The size of the snowflakes is what determines whether there was enough time for melting before making it to the surface. Larger snowflakes remain as snow, smaller ones can turn into sleet or freezing rain. This is what can lead to this mix of precipitation. Since 9 a.m. and lasting until the time of writing, it has been snowing in Bloomington, Indiana and will likely to continue to do so until 11 p.m. tonight. This winter storm has greatly affected the Bloomington area. The vast majority of classes at Indiana University have shifted online today. Trash collection has been canceled, and the library and other government buildings have been closed. The Herald Times states that, quote, Monroe County is currently under the highest level of local travel advisory by the Indiana Department of Homeland Security, unquote. It is advised that Bloomington residents only travel if there is an emergency. Once again, everyone stay safe out there. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Weinzaffel. That was Nathaniel Weinzappel reporting on the inclement weather. It should be noted that the Bloomington Transit Bus Service will end early today. For updates on possible future delays, visit bloomingtontransit.com. On Saturday, the Bloomington Music Expo will take place at the Monroe Convention Centre. According to organisers, the vinyl fair is free and it features 30 vendors selling rare and used vinyl posters and t-shirts and more. Executive Director of Visit Bloomington Mike McCarthy says the Music Expo celebrates the local music scene in Bloomington. We like to call it a uh, celebration of all things music in Bloomington just because you know Bloomington is such a a great music destination, music town, all that kind of starts with Indiana University going back to the Hoagie Carmichael days of Jacob's School of Music being one of the top music schools in the country and, and all that culture and music that it brings to the community really sets the table for the music venues that we have in town and the record stores and, and the amazing 
artists that live here and, and, and make music and make our, you know, kind of make our local music scene so strong. McCarthy discussed how the idea for the vinyl show first came to fruition. Myself here at Visit Bloomington and, and along with Jar at, at WFHB and, and Jim Manning when he was there before, about four or five years ago, we're talking and along with Mike Klingy from the Orbit Room and a couple people from Secretly Canadian and a couple people that, that have vinyl in town that go to different vinyl fairs and, and sell that stuff. We, we were just talking. We, we had actually been to a couple of those and seen each other there. We're all big fans of, of vinyl and, and music and collectors and that type of thing. And, and with my job, my job is to bring visitors and tourism to the area of all kinds. I, I was always like, wow, we, we could do that here. There's nothing like that going on here in Bloomington. And we could actually do it in a, a better way than, than a lot of these other places are doing. And they're, and they're cool events. Again, if you're, if you're strictly after vinyl, like just this past Sunday, there was one up in Indianapolis. But, but they're usually in a small room in a hotel that you can go in and they might have 10 or 15 vinyl vendors set up and you go in and buy your vinyl and that's it. And I thought, well, I want to do this and bring 25 vinyl vendors and, and also give an opportunity to WFHB and, and the Grand Falloon Music Festival and, and Lotus and the Buster Chumley Theater and all these other great things that we have in Bloomington that promote Bloomington as a music destination, as well as the vinyl vendors. I want to do that in our convention center and then bring in live music, have have live music that you know that's got a connection to Bloomington in some way, and just make it an all day long event that's fun and, and open to the public. As McAfee outlined, the Music Expo will offer live music from DJs and four musical performers, headlined by Jason Wilbur. Wilbur played guitar for John Prine for over two decades. McAfee touched on the live performance portion of the Music Expo. He also gave a rundown of the schedule of events happening this weekend. We're really actually starting on Friday night, Friday, February 4th. There's going to be a DJ at the Orbit Room, actually, who's one of the vinyl vendors that'll be there on Saturday. He's coming up from the Louisville area, and he's going to be spinning records at the Orbit Room on Friday night. But then on Saturday morning, starting at 9 o'clock, the convention center opens. And from 9 to noon, there'll be... DJs spinning music, which again will be Jar and a couple other people, a couple other DJs from WFHB will be there spinning records. But all the vinyl vendors will be in there open and selling their records. There'll be places like Bad Me's Tees will be there selling merchandise. There'll be several other vendors, um, you know, like rock posters or T-shirts and different things like that. Just all kinds of art, artwork, and just different types of music merchandise that you can buy, really headlined by the vinyl and the CDs and the tapes and everything that you can buy. So that goes on from basically 9 a.m. and it lasts all the way until 4 p.m. on really in one end of the convention center. But on the other end of the convention center, starting at noon, we've got four bands. You know, the, the live DJs will stop spinning then. And then we've got four bands that are playing, starting with Kid Kazooie and the Ballroom Rastabouts, which is a family-oriented band. They play all kinds of music, but, you know, Kid Kazooie's a long-time Bloomington musician and, be, you know, very popular, has a great following. So there'll be a bunch of people that come out to see him, and he'll play a 45-minute set with his band. And then at 1 o'clock, we've got Craig Brenner, and he runs the Bloomington Boogie Woogie Music Festival. He's going to play a set. I mean, he's one of the best boogie woogie piano players in the world he's got an international following travels all over the world and plays boogie woogie music and again 
Delhi, he runs that festival here. Actually, the, the Boogies will have a table there as well, promoting their festival coming up this summer. He'll play a 45-minute set of, of piano boogie-woogie tunes. And then at 2 o'clock, Rodeola, um, a great indie rock band here in Bloomington, led by Kate Long, who's been a long-time wonderful musician here in Bloomington. It's her band, Rodeola, is going to play a set. And then at 3 o'clock, Jason Wilbur, our headliner, who grew up here in Bloomington, learned how to play music here in Bloomington, was sneaking into the Bluebird and other places when he was a kid to jam with with different people on stage as he was coming up. And obviously, Jason went on to be John Prine, the guitarist, and toured with him for over 20 years all over the world and played in every prestigious venue from the Grand Ole Opry to Austin City Limits and just an incredible, you know, I call him a genius songwriter and guitar player, is going to be our headliner, and that'll last until about 4 o'clock, and that'll be the end of it. On Saturday night, Tim Carroll, former member of the Gizmos, a seminal punk rock band from Bloomington, will perform at an after-party at the Orbit Room. McAfee talked about that performance and what it will bring to the Music Expo. Saturday night we're doing, um, it's another free show with, with Tim Carroll at the, at the Orbit Room, and and so it's just a continue, you know, we're going to end at the convention center around four o'clock and then coming back at six o'clock, he, they're hosting, um, Tim Carroll's playing a free show there at, at the Orbit Room. So it's just kind of a continue on for, for people who might be sticking around or, or out or out that evening and just to be able to offer a little bit more continual programming. McAfee walked through his favorite part of the Bloomington Music Expo. I'll tell you. I can't really pick between the live the live music lineup because I because everybody that's playing there is going to be fantastic and and if you, if people have not seen them they're going to just blow you away but I'm like I said I'm a I'm a big vinyl collector so I'm gonna my heart's going to be not only is my heart going to be full from seeing those great musicians play I'm also going to leave the room with about 25 records in my hand that I probably paid anywhere from two dollars to ten dollars a piece for. You know, I just know I'll, over the course of the day, I'll talk to my vendors and pick through their stuff as, and, and buy some stuff from them. And, and that, that part. So I would say, again, the live music and, and just being able to pick rare vinyl and, and things that I really love are my favorite things about it. And, and, and just the fact that so many people in the music community and here come together and, and help us put it on and support it. Proof of vaccination or a negative PCR or rapid test result are required to enter the event. In addition, face masks are required by all attendees, regardless of age. For more information about the upcoming Music Expo, you can visit bloomingtonmusicexpo.com. A new study from Stanford University has discovered that gas stoves, even when turned off, have a high potential to release methane into the atmosphere. WFHB environmental news correspondent Nathaniel Weinsapple discusses what this means for Hoosiers. The sound of sizzling bacon on a Sunday morning is quintessential to the American lifestyle. 
However, a method of making the bacon sizzle has become a subject of concern. Stanford University recently released a study focused on gas stoves, of which one-third of American households have in their kitchen. Methane, a greenhouse gas found in the natural gas used in gas stoves, has high potential to leak from burners when being used. While this is not new information, what the Stanford researchers did find was that the methane often leaks even when the stove is turned off. In fact, upwards of 80% of the methane leakage occurs when the stove is not turned on. For some background, CH4, otherwise known as methane, is a colorless and odorless gas that is highly flammable. The principal component of natural gas, methane, is used around the world for fuel. The natural sources of methane that are found in the atmosphere are due to wetlands, as the environment is anaerobic or lacking of oxygen. This leads to soil microbes and plants in wetlands having to create a methane byproduct when metabolizing. However, this natural process is not the biggest contributor to atmospheric methane. After carbon dioxide, methane is the most common greenhouse gas in the atmosphere that is created primarily through human activities. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says that roughly 65% of total methane emissions come from human activities, such as agriculture, power plants, and waste from landfills and human home activities. The reason that methane is a very alarming greenhouse gas is due to its potency as a heat-trapping gas. This means that methane is able to keep the atmosphere warmer longer than carbon dioxide. In fact, the EPA states that, quote, Pound for pound, the comparative impact of methane is 25 times greater than carbon dioxide over a 100-year period, unquote. The United Nations Environmental Program's Global Methane Assessment has indicated that methane concentrations in the atmosphere have nearly doubled since prior to the Industrial Revolution and that more methane is being emitted now than ever before. The assessment also found that if humans cut methane emissions by just 45%, around a quarter of a million lives could be saved, and 775,000 asthma hospital visits could be prevented. A separate study from the International Journal of Epidemiology recently found that there is a correlation between children developing asthma in the presence of gas stovetops in a household. Crop yields would also increase, as the 26 million tons of crops lost a year due to the emissions would be reduced. Cities around the country have already taken notice of the potentially harmful effects of methane and have begun phasing out the use of gas. For example, New York City decided that the construction of new natural gas pipelines would have to cease by next year. This move and similar ones have not been met without pushback, with members of natural gas utility companies becoming agitated over the switch and stating that more testing is needed to prove a direct correlation between the leaking methane and atmospheric methane. Stanford professor of earth science Rob Jackson understands his information fairly well and knows the impact that individuals can have. Natural gas leakage in homes has led to, and will lead to, more emissions of methane. The Stanford study has also found that it does not matter how old the stove is either. After measuring the amounts of methane leaking throughout many homes in California, the researchers discovered that methane was being released from the oldest gas stoves to the newest models. While only 1.3% of the gas in the stoves leaks into the atmosphere, this is still a large amount after considering the potential leakage from the combined total of 40 million gas stoves in the United States. Due to methane being a gas, there is even the likelihood that the greenhouse gas is released throughout the transportation process, from its creation to being used on the stovetop. 
Professor Jackson has decided that the best method for an individual to reduce their methane emissions will be to switch from a natural gas stove to an electrical stove. Switching to an electrical stove has the potential to greatly reduce pollution. Similarly, making the switch is often the first step for Americans to switch entirely to electrical sources. Jackson urges Americans to make the switch. However, he also understands that electrical stoves are often expensive, so an alternative solution to the leaking problem for consumers who are keeping their gas stove would be to remove it from the wall and tighten the connectors, which can help prevent the gas from leaking through loose fittings. Despite the enormous problems associated with methane use, the simple act of reducing one's pollution is a step forward towards the overall goal of reducing greenhouse gas emissions and hopefully curbing the effects of climate change. For WFHB, I'm Nathaniel Wines-Apple. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Nathaniel Winesapple, Cade Young, and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Lucinda Larnick. And I'm Benedict Jones. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB.